I bet we're just gonna go for it. This is raw talk. Okay, I like it. All right, everyone. Talk Lab uh, listeners and Raw Talk listeners. This is a collab between Talk Lab and Raw Talk, or Raw Talk and Talk Lab. What did we call it? Raw Talk Lab. Raw Talk Lab, yeah. <laughs> that's that's going to be a pretty cool one. Um, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Ahmed Al-Kufi, Ahmed AK. Um, I'm, uh, I've been a videographer for the past 10, 11 years. Um, reason why I started this podcast is to talk about my experience, people's ex- other people's experience as well. Um, I've been always the person behind the camera. It's my time now to be person in front of the camera. And I've got with me Angie, how's how's it going, Angie? Hello, I'm I'm fantastic. I'm so excited to you know record this this collaboration, you know, um, and I like why you do your podcast, and that's why I was interested in collaborating in the first place. I was like, he seems like he's ready to know the real story, the behind the scenes, you know, get people heard. Exactly. I feel this episode is going to be full of. Uh, Stuff we're gonna be talking about stuff that relates to podcasting. If you're interested, that's that's it's gonna be such a good episode uh, to relate to. When if you're interested in like making your own podcast, or if you're just interested in like how we make those podcasts, um, different ways of looking at them is gonna be uh, a good episode to watch or listen to if you're listening to it. Um, so let's hit it from the top. I mean, why did you create your podcast? Amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll introduce myself. My name Go is Angie V. Yeah. And my podcast is Raw Talk. And I started it about a year ago. We just had our one year anniversary. And I started it exactly because I was having conversations with people that were really, I don't know, fulfilling my soul, you know, feeding, feeding my brain, you know, having these moments of, wow, your life experience is as deep as mine and we can mm-hmm. learn so much from each other. Um and then the extra level of sharing is recording it and releasing it to the world, right? So, yeah, basically that feeling a need for some nice deep interaction between humans. Mm. Definitely. Like that's that's kind of a similar reason why I created mine, basically. Like I, uh, as I mentioned before, I was always like the person behind the camera. Never. I was really camera shy, to be honest with you. Like you can tell my first episodes, I wasn't even hitting points. I was just, you know, running away from a conversation. Um, I got used to it after. It's just that I realized that a lot of the conversations that we have on a daily basis with with interesting people are very interesting. Like we make points that must be recorded sometimes. Like I'd say that. So that's kind of why I went into podcasting in general. Uh, plus, I was looking into a project to to invest in and like to to make. Plus, COVID. <laughs> COVID made me do it basically <laughs> if we uh if we want to be correct um yeah that's that's kind of why I kind of went into it although there was like way like too many reasons why I kind of went into it like at the time um it was like that difficult like the, the start was kind of difficult I think for both of us mm-hmm. especially for people who don't have like a media background if you exactly. see what I mean like self-taught 100% exactly like like our, I think, I think our experience with media is literally social media. Like, really, that and the whole idea of uh, now people can identify as content creators, you know, exactly, and influencers and creators in general. Like when people, that's their bio. I'm a creator. Like, what does that mean anymore, right? Because I understand it's very free, free flowing. It's giving people that. Um, that flexibility to just make, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, what does it mean to be a content creator? Does it mean that you have to start from scratch, you know, 
does that mean that you have to put in a lot of investment before you see any return? It's it's an interesting deal because you can be self-made, but at a high cost, unfortunately, sometimes, you know? Exactly. Uh, did you have any Did you have any uh, people you looked up to when I uh, started podcasting, aside from Joe Rogan, <laughs> that everyone looks up to? Right? And actually, funny enough, when I started making my podcast, I literally didn't listen to podcasts. Like, I was told by a lot of, uh, a lot of people... I like respect that I should. They're like, you would be amazing on a podcast. One, the way you deliver things is very calm but precise. Um, I enjoy hearing your ideas, your thoughts, and I enjoy the conversations I have with you. So it was brought up a couple times by different people. Um, and then so I was like, you know what? There's nothing to lose. Why not try this? You know, like you said, why not try a project that I might be able to enjoy, but you know, there's none of that pressure, none of that expectation. And so I started creating. I fell in love with the process, and I'm now you know, getting better at the process, you know, investing a little more because I truly enjoy it. Um, and then that's when I started finding the worth in other people's podcasts. I like to listen to Jordan B. Peterson. I don't know if you know who that is. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. the Toronto uh, psych professor. Joe Rogan every now and then because his guests are very interesting and very knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. um, I listen to some philosophy ones too. There's one called Philosophy This Is This because mm -hmm. it's just the delivery. These people are really good at delivering quality content. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And what an interesting thing about your podcast is uh, some of episodes are solo, like you don't have a guest. That's one thing that I still cannot do myself, to be honest with you. I need to I need to have someone to talk to. Mm -hmm. Like I can't really deliver. Like I don't think I would be able to unless I really try hard to do so. That's why I never went into like solo episodes. I think people are going to be bored of me just talking. Although like you deliver a lot of things in an interesting way. Like last episode that I was listening to was this morning. I think it was, uh, what is love? That was a good one. Like, oh, bless you. Bless you. Thank you. It, like, thank you for putting that episode out, to be honest with you. Um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, I'll get to those reasons like after, like during the podcast. But uh, um, it was an interesting way of putting it out. Like I, I was like, oh, okay. What is love? That's the song, whatever. So I started it and then I was like, oh, okay. Okay, she's just she's just stating what like how do we look at love and or what is love to us, which is to be honest with you like we don't we don't think about it as much ourselves mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. you know like nobody nobody thinks about love in kind of like a theological way before they go into love. Mm -hmm, it's just mm -hmm. something that happens to us, right? So like I think I think those questions are great to ask. Um, I kind of lost the point of like making making the solo podcasts. Yeah. So like that was that was a good example of like making a solo podcast. It's I think it's really good. Um I wouldn't be able to do it myself as a, again like I just stated. Um how do you how do you like approach it? Like how okay. do you start like the camera like what are the thoughts, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like most of the thoughts are gone like before before us starting the podcast most of the most of the thoughts that we want to like that actually worries us are gone the moment that we start talking to each other right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um when it comes to a solo podcast you got the camera <laughs> no one most of the time is recording behind you so like exactly you have to look through the lens imagine there's someone watching and then talk to the, that person yeah so funny enough um i think Thank God I just, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do this. Whatever judgment comes, whatever, I'm not afraid of that. And I found just the the value in it. I was like, you know what, if 
if deeply analyzing life and deeply like reflecting on the things that happen, you know, whether that's emotions, whether that's behaviors, if that's just something that comes naturally to me, mm. this is a way for me to embrace it and share it, right? So I was like, you know what, let's just let's just do it, right? It's like recording a journal, but just verbally. So I wasn't even thinking of someone else on the other side necessarily. I was just ranting, but trying to rant cohesively too so that someone could follow. But I was just allowing my train of thought to flow and then record. I did, uh, for the season two, like you said, what is love in that? I did give myself a little bit of a kind of like a checklist of topics I did want to cover, just mm -hmm. like you said, that way I'm not rambling on and that way I remember what it is I wanted to talk about. But I remember the first, first episode of the first, first season where I was like, welcome to Raw Talk. I just I just let it go because I was like, if you're going to sign up for the season, you need to know who I am as a person. Exactly. And what it is that I love to express. And it, part of it is that that random stuff that people don't think about, right? Or that people do think about, but they don't see as a normalized thing to talk about so they keep it to themselves but it's I'm I'm just kind of like letting those people know like it's okay if you overthink weird things and you know just to gain some sort of understanding or some sort of appreciation for why they happen mm -hmm. it's an interesting way of looking at it to be honest with you um wow mm -hmm. it was really hard though trust me like recording and I'm just I'm for what? It was like 20, 30 minutes straight of me just talking, yeah. just blabbering on. And as someone that's been like raised to be like, you're not, don't speak until you're spoken to, or, you know, like less talking, more thinking. Um, it was challenging, you know, to not self judge and be self critical. Yep. But at the same time, I was like, why don't I like stop with the judgment, you know, just allow things to flow. And there's always the cutting and editing process after. If I don't like a section, cool. It's not that deep. You know, if I like it, I can so, keep it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting way. Also, a checklist it does help. That's what I like. That's what I find. Um, although, like, I don't do that all the time. To be honest with to be honest with you, like, I do my own research ahead of time, mm -hmm. and then I just let it in my brain and start talking. Cause like, I don't wanna I don't wanna make it feel staged. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cause like I'm I'm more like uh that's it. Let's just put on the mic, turn on the mic, the camera, turn on the microphone, and just let's just talk. Mm -hmm. That's why that's why it's just like you know. Like as as you said, like your your podcast name is very uh, uh is very self explanatory when it comes to that raw talk. You know what I mean? Like the conversation is raw. Like we're not we're not editing a lot of the conversation out. Most of the conversations in, unless we like kind of messed up somewhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I started doing that now in this season where I'm like cutting something like before like this season before, I couldn't even stop. Which uh, you could find you could find like my energy dies midway and then it goes back up. Mm -hmm. it's it's more like uh yeah i think people get bored midway as well like to be sometimes fair, they, they they freaking leave the episode they don't like <laughs> yes and that's one of the things that you do have to consider as a yeah. content creator is that you're like okay i'm sharing this because it's my passion it's my love whatever right. but at the end of the day if you do want it to be something that is consumed the audience does t take a uh, have a role in that right mm -hmm. um and I agree with you, like, I don't cut out any of my content unless I think the only times I've ever really truly like cut out a long segment is if we, you know, the trail of the trail of raw talking leads to something that necessarily the guest doesn't want to disclose publicly. Exactly. Which I am happy that it happens because it means that person was truly opening up and was in the space, was in the zone. Um, but at the same time, some people, it, it takes a lot of bravery to just dish all your dirt out there into the world and, you know, be like, hey, these are my vulnerabilities. These are my tr struggles. Mm -hmm. This is actually who I am on the inside. Like, it takes a lot for people. So 
Um, so thank you for even being a part of Raw Talk because I know <laughs> it takes a lot to just be here and be like, oh, these are all my problems and this is uh, what I think about on the daily. Like you're exposing yourself to exactly. whoever, to the internet, you know? Exactly. Uh, to be honest with you, I kind of I kind of feel that once you're on the internet, you're, not, you're like an open book. Like everyone knows you. Like it doesn't matter unless you just you're just a ghost on the internet with no picture, nothing, mm-hmm. where nobody knows about you. Yeah, you're you're most likely you're just an open book basically. So might as well let those things out to the public. Um, most likely you're gonna f- meet, like you're gonna meet some people that can relate to that. Like I've I've said a lot of my problems in in Talk Lab, like the season one of Talk Lab, and I've had a lot of people reaching out. Oh yeah, we actually face this. We actually face that on a daily on a daily basis. It's just like, although like while while I was like putting those problems out, I, I kind of like thought to myself, I was like, what am I doing? Like, why am I letting my vulnerabilities uh, or my why am, te- why am I telling people my vulnerabilities? Like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to get back to the, to the podcasting um, mm-hmm. business or the podcasting thing. Um, for, I know for us, like guys, it's kind of like easier to get into those things. For girls or for for ladies, that would be like kind of like a bit of more barriers. Like I know it's not. I know this is not a like a third world country. Um, I've met a lot of creators from from my background. Like I'm from I'm from Iraq. I lived in Lebanon too. So like, I'm Iraqi Lebanese. So um, I've met a lot of a lot of uh, women there that like that face a lot of difficulties creating content online because they get batched basically, or they get attacked. Like at a, on a daily basis, like I've I've seen threat messages to them, and I'm oh like, my oh my god. Although like although like you don't face, I'm not sure like if you face that or not. I don't want to speak uh, speak for you, but I'm pretty sure there was a lot of difficulties when it comes to, like you being a lady and then creating your own podcast, even in this society. Mm-hmm. So I can definitely I can definitely speak a bit about that because even though necessarily I haven't faced any n- normal struggles myself uh, because of being a female. Um, or identifying it as a woman and all this stuff, and even being technically a person of color, because I was born in Colombia, um, immigrated here with my parents when I was super young. And um, I think the biggest barrier tends to be this whole like persona that the world sees you as. Because you, um, you or maybe anybody else, a guy, it's just someone making a podcast, but all of a sudden people like to put labels to things. So rather yeah. than me just making a podcast, I'm now a BIPOC woman um, making a podcast, you know? And now, since that's part of that identity, do I need to make sure I'm always focusing on BIPOC empowerment? Am I always focusing on feminism conversations, you know? And even though those are topics I like to discuss, um, it is, I know that it tends to be people's default to start categorizing, you know? Yeah, Yeah. definitely. I'm pretty sure you faced that a lot as well, like, you know, being like first-generation immigrant as well. Like the first, the first thing you say, like after, like after you say, like I'm Colombian or I'm from Colombia, first thing you would hear is like Pablo Escobar. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, definitely. If, if I had five bucks, oh, I'd be swimming in that money, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> Pablo Escobar, or even unfortunately the fetishiz- the fetishizing of um, Latino women or yeah. the Latino culture, even the language. Um, so it is difficult because it's it's something that it's just a habit. I know that it's ingrained in a lot of people, mm-hmm. but it does um anything but help like it's actually just worsening the behavior you know if there's anyone who would understand you it would be me because like the amount of times that i heard about terrorism 
oh my god we feel sorry for you what did you see back there i'm like yeah i, I saw shit but like i'm alive like whatever yeah. you know like i told i told my friends kind of stories i don't want to put them out for public because i like there, there's a lot of gore in this story and these stories and like a lot of struggle mm-hmm. but like it doesn't it didn't I, like i'm thankful it didn't give me ptsd like i kind of look back at those stories i'm thankful that i'm alive i'm thankful that like i didn't see worse than this because i heard way worse stories coming back from iraq um but it's not that bad like i kind of i kind of like it and hate it when people start talking about iraq as the country of like oh you guys you guys had saddam you guys had uh, the iraq war you guys had this that i'm like yeah well we've got clubs we've got parties we've got fun <laughs> you know what Culture i mean as well, it's, yeah. it's great like people don't look at that and they just put you as you said put you in this one category of like oh you've seen shit <laughs> that's basically <laughs> oh it. you're a victim yeah 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 exactly mm-hmm. exactly okay you. and then they want you to live in that mentality you know like the victim mentality of mm-hmm. like oh I, I can't do anything yeah like i've seen stuff like i'm a victim right exactly. no i can do shit <laughs> like exactly. like i'm capable i'm capable of doing stuff like podcasts i can speak out i can uh, i can create content that people relate to you know, aside aside from me being Iraqi, I live in this country. Like I like I kind of get cold when I get outside. You know that <laughs> exactly. But so does everyone else. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, like being a first, a first as well, like first generation immigrant, you probably face that uh, kind of like thing, the the categorizing thing. Um, did your parents like talk to you when when you when you created your podcast? Did you have anything from your parents? So actually, they've always been so supportive of everything. Like, thankfully, thank, <laughs> thankfully, I've had such a like loving, supportive family growing up with everything I do. Um, I'm also a dancer, so yep. since day one, they've been supporting that and all of my inquiries. And of course, I mean, a lot of it is you know I let them know the effort I'm putting into it. I'm saving up to buy myself a mic. I'm, I'm, you know, it's not that it's given to me because that unfortunately. Sometimes supportive family, people are like, oh, you're giving everything to you then. You just, you haven't worked a day in your life for anything hard, right? Yeah. Um, and even though I was born in Colombia, I still moved to Canada when I was like two years old. So truly, culturally and everything, I didn't live there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but my parents passed down as much as they could while still understanding that assimilation is kind of necessary to fit in when you live here, right? Because I can't tell you the amount of times people would be rude to my parents because they didn't speak proper proper English, you know? Yep. The whole accent thing, the whole um, being treated differently because you're a person of color, like that that whole thing or Thanks. the weird racist jokes and you're like, I thought we were over this <laughs> man, you know? The assumptions, just so much that you're like, okay, are we done with that? Because now let's talk like person to person, human to human, you know? Exactly, wow. The amount of, the amount of times actually my parents got that too. Like my dad, if someone sees my dad, they think that he's white. My dad looks white as fuck. Got you. Like he's like he's like this kind of Iraqi because like Brits were there, so we kind of got passed on like the Brits uh, genes and mm-hmm. as well like the uh, what is it the, the the Turkish genes as well. Like like he looks he looks white. Problem is he doesn't speak English well. And it's very broken. I'm like, Dad, you know, if if you spoke English, we'd be so fucking privileged. <laughs> Can you please exactly. learn that? <laughs> exactly. So yeah, like that's that's one thing that like he they they face, and I feel bad for them because they you know, they don't understand the, the the country very well. Like till this day, um, they have this understanding of the country, and they're like, yeah, like that's it. Like we're not part of it. You know what I mean? Like as much mm-hmm. as they as as much as they try to become part of it. Uh, it's always difficult. I know a lot of stories from other parents that actually, like, you know, were able to 
got get used to like the country, get used to Canada. But those are like not many stories. Like those mm-hmm. are very, very small percentage of, yeah. of the, the actual like first uh, generation immigrants. So when it comes to us, I think like it would be very difficult or very tricky when, you know, when you want to create something like a podcast and try to explain to your parents. Oh, by the way, like, you know, you can make a living out of this. Mm-hmm. Like, I love this, but you also can make a living out of this. Because like, I'm not sure for you guys, but for us, you have three options. Either a doctor, a lawyer, engineer, fourth option, you're a disgrace to the family. Mm-hmm. I definitely have a lot to comment on what you said. Uh so yes, this pressure, like you said, your parents literally sacrifice everything for you to have this brighter future in first world North America, you know. And then um, I definitely have a lot of, uh, you know, immigrant friends that who say their parents are just, they're still in this cultural shock. Yeah, you have the stability. Yeah, you have this whole idea of freedom. But at what cost? Like your parents no longer have friends because everyone's very, you know, everyone's very... Um, like uh, spaced out here, like distance. Like there's no mm-hmm. such thing as that cult- cultural thing where all the all the moms get together, all the dads get together, and they have giant feasts every weekend. And um, it's cold in general, so people don't want to really leave their houses. Um, there's a lot that our parents are sacrificing on the daily. And I've definitely felt that pressure where I'm like, okay, you're doing this for me. I guess I'll go fulfill your dreams, right? But then it's almost like a contradiction. They came here to give you a better future a better life right right and what we're doing right now is technically reaping those rewards like we are so privileged that we can do a a high risk project like this where it's Mm -hmm. a lot of investment but a lot of uh return we don't have to worry about stability we don't have to worry about um you know putting food on the table or things like that like we're literally the most responsibility free we'll ever probably be at this moment in our 20s um with supportive families and with you know in a first world country like i think we're pretty privileged and that does kind of go against what parents want which is you know what you go get that degree you get that master's you get a job and you stay in that forever right um and I did do my four years of undergrad and in architecture Mm -hmm. and I can definitely say it wasn't my passion you know um which it's okay like I didn't know what else I was 18 and I was like I don't know what I'm gonna do with my life like I have no clue I have no idea this was never an idea to me. I hadn't been in the real world, so I wasn't, like, experiencing the possibility. So I was just like, okay, you want me to go to university? I'll go to university, right? The whole idea of being the first in the family to finally get a degree. Like, it's a it's a lot of pressure. Um, and I didn't necessarily feel it until after. I was like, why did I even do four years of something I don't even enjoy <laughs> that much? And then I was like, oh, true. My, it's probably, yeah, my parents wanted a better future. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll just do it. Um and again, I don't regret it because thank God, yep. yeah, architecture taught me all about this digital content creation, the whole idea of of being outspoken and presenting my ideas and being a creator. So it was an amazing experience, um, but it was definitely fully out of that either internalized pressure or that immigrant parent pressure. And yeah, yeah, here we are. They're still very supportive because they see it's, they're, they're kind of understanding that like, maybe they can do something with the internet. Maybe they can... Yep gain a successful living by not having to work a nine to five you know it's kind of becoming part of the realm but I don't know if if you can relate because I know there are parents that are still stuck in that like boomer mentality yeah yeah my my parents are kind of like in the middle they're like worried like they're like yeah like you can continue like I thankfully I I found like a passion in chemistry that's why I'm going I'm going to study it not only for my parents but like parts of it was like pressure from them like they're worried they're like 
what are you gonna do? You don't have a you don't have a degree, you don't have this, you don't have that. Well, you know, like experience is more important right now, um, especially in my field. Like I've been like going on and off with photography and videography and filmmaking. Um, I was hoping that I can get into that. I did not, because um, again, parents, <laughs> they're like, yeah, choose something else. I don't think, they're like, we don't think that, you know, that's going to be a good idea. I'm like, but I want to chase my dreams. They're like, yeah, that's how you get broke. <laughs> mm. uh, so that's, yeah, that's one thing that uh, they're worried about. Like, because like, again, like they've seen, they've seen war, they've seen uh, poverty, they've seen uh, a lot of people fall down because they did not like have proper, uh, say proper management of their dreams or of their time. So they just went blindly into chasing their dreams, which is like a big no-no. Like if, if you're if you're listening to this podcast and you take from us as well, like that we say you don't need education, you don't need uh, like a university degree or a college degree. Also take from us that do not go blindly. I mean, like you've got resources right now, the internet. I wish back in 2012, like when I was like doing photography and stuff like that, I wish internet or YouTube was that big and had that many creators online that I can reach out to or watch their videos. So whatever you have passion in, definitely study it first. Um, go watch YouTube videos. For myself, what, what worked for me, uh, what people don't know is I took I took a gap year in between high school and uh, university. Amazing, yeah. So I was thinking about what am I going into? So I, I kind of like, I went into construction. I, I worked as a construction worker. Um, I worked in, uh, I worked as a locksmith too. Um, and then I worked in customer service. So like, I kind of like, I tried multiple fields. I was asking a lot of people like what their fields are and how they got into it. I kind of started researching my own until I found that, okay, I, I kind of like chemistry. It's difficult. Like a lot of people told me, what the heck are you doing? But like, it is what it is, you know? Like I, I like this field. I'm going that route. Mm -hmm. So do your own research. Um, see what would be like, you know, wait out. Like this something. This is something that's going to take like eight years. Are you, uh, are you going to really invest eight years into this thing? And you like, there's a possibility that you're going to leave mid those eight years. So you just wasted your whole four years for nothing. Mm. So that's that's one thing. Like people becoming doctors, that's something difficult. Like, is, like yeah. I feel bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Especially if they're forced into it. Exactly. It's a lot of high commitment. And mm -hmm. I like that you said like a lot of people a lot of people do comment. They comment and comment. And unfortunately yeah. it's because a lot of people comment because if they're not able to achieve their own dream, why would they ever support anyone else's, right? Or exactly. there's there's that built-up resentment. But it's not that anyone that says anything about you is doing it out of bad fate. But at the end of the day, supporters or not, it's your life. Exactly. It's what you want to do, you know? They're your dreams. And the only one that cares enough to go get it or is not you? is you. Exactly. Um, so this whole idea of comparing even timelines with other people or comparing pathways like even though these people are all podcasters it doesn't mean i have to follow one of those paths i can make my own path exactly um, and that's what i do love about our, kind of our digital age and things is that we as long as we figure it out on our own it kind of goes as long as we prove that we're willing to do what it takes and that we're talented and we're skilled um that's that's the beauty of of today and age right uh yeah and you said you said the this idea of you know committing to eight years of your life and that exactly. i know there's a lot of pressure on like oh time goes by so fast but at the same time like taking i did a whole undergrad that was four years of my life mm -hmm. 
So I'm now 22 turning 23, but I still feel like I'm young, like I'm just starting, you know? I have all this potential in front of me. So even though a lot of people are like, oh, there goes four years of my life, like homie, but taken, I don't know, if, if you're doing the right kind of reflection, if you're doing the right kind of growing, the right amount of challenging yourself, it's about the quality of stuff that happens during that time, you know? Um, I especially experienced this, especially during pandemic, I don't know, a lot of people went through a couple months where they were like, I'm literally a different person, you know, because yep. it was very saturated and very confined reflection and growth and moments of processing what it is I want to be or who I want to be. Right. So it's not about the time. It's how you make it's what you do with that time. You know, it's how exactly. your use of that time. Exactly. And that's one thing that like when it comes as, again to education, unless you understand how important it is to get educated or like going into university and stuff like that, like. I had an idea of like I went I went into university pretty late again like because I came from Lebanon I had to do like a year and a half and then like that's that I repeated like kind of a year and a half I lost it and then there was one year of like gap year so like I'm kind of like in between three years that I'm like behind on that and I thought I'm like oh my god I'm gonna be late whatever I went in I'm seeing 80 years old going to university going to my same classes I'm like oh my god like that's that's what it means to to you know seek your education basically unless you you have that passion uh, and you don't care about like the age that you're going in or the time that you're spending i don't think you should go in cuz you'd be wasting your time to be mm -hmm. honest with you like mm -hmm. you will not be there physically like exactly people forget that you should actually enjoy learning like if it's something you like to do you should be enjoying it and should, shouldn't even feel like work you know mm -hmm. And I think that's why a lot of people hate the school system and the education system, not yep. because it's structured, but because they're learning about something they don't care about. Exactly. Because I know now that I'm out of school and I could literally, I could either sit at home all day and do absolutely nothing, or I could fill my day with, with things that I enjoy and things that I hate. I have found a passion for, you know, uh, reading philosophy books, reading metaphysics books, reading uh, self-help books, and I love it. And I'm there studying as if it were school. I'm making notes, I'm highlighting and I'm like, see, this is not work to me. Whatever it was before, it wasn't about the structure then. It wasn't about the way I was doing it. It was about what I was learning. Again, going back to like the difficulties mm -hmm. of producing a podcast, um, talking to talking to the microphone on itself, I don't think that's that difficult. Mm -mm. It's about getting in the space of, okay, yeah. There's pretend there's no camera here, pretend there's no time limit. Because, that's one thing. Yeah, the best conversations I've had with people are always off camera, always off recording. Unfortunately. You know? yes. Unfortunately, and I'm like, damn, I wish I would have recorded it. And obviously there's a lot of like ethics involved. You can't just record people without no, their consent. No, yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? But it, it would be insane like if I was able to capture every one of those moments and obviously you can kind of retouch the topics but there's something about having two people almost like dissect a problem or dissect a phenomenon right in front of you. It's about like all those discoveries that happen firsthand like you're almost like witnessing, I don't know, some sort of discovery, some sort of explanation, some sort of like... Uh, uh, enlightenment I don't know it's it's very different so that's the so only trouble I've found with like recording the podcast with mm -hmm. the kind of topics I like to talk about um, because it does you know it's hard to get in that space of like okay what if we weren't in front of a camera right now you know yeah I feel again like right now because like again because this is way easier I can talk to a guest I don't have to look into the camera yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's one thing I tried vlogging before that did not end up 
very well. Like I literally took every vlog that I produced. Mm -hmm. I took them all down. I'm like, this is really cringe, man. Do not do that again. <laughs> I know. But now I'm thinking about redoing with redoing that again. But like, it's only gonna be like either trip or something that I've actually learned from. Um, and it won't be like kind of like a vlog produced thing. It would be more like a documentary thing. That's mm -hmm. like just create. It's just me talking about my thoughts when I was like in this place or mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. at this time. I feel that like these these things um, and podcasting too. Um, it's just our new way of passing on knowledge. To be honest mm -hmm. with you, like it's like it's like the new books for everyone. Like, I mean, back back in the days, and when I'm talking back in the days, I mean like thousand years ago or something okay, like that okay, yeah. we had we had books that was like that was basically the new way of communication and not everyone were educated basically mm -hmm. so not everyone were into education and that was our way of passing on knowledge i think podcasting and that's like that's a thought that like didn't occur to me like like early on it just occurred to me like basically not long ago it's, it's just looking at it podcasting is the new way of passing on education it really is because if you think of it, it's a very, it's the only way of communicating and mm -hmm. expressing ideas that has uh, been modified to keep up with today's standards exactly. of society, which is, you know, convenient consumerism, easy satisfaction, you know, the fact that it's, uh, you can do it while multitasking, it's available on your exactly. phone at any time for no price. Like it makes sense why it stood the test of time. Um, but at the same time, there's something about content creation. This, mm -hmm. I don't mind because I'm like, okay, this feels wholesome to me. But the whole idea of setting up a camera and doing things for a camera, it feels a bit performative. And yeah. I do have my issues with it sometimes if you think about people on like TikTok and stuff like that. Yes. Like that's when I get real cringy. The whole idea of content creation, not for the sake of art, but for the sake of just um, like supply and demand, you know? Exactly. You're hitting all the points that I want to talk about. It gets it gets us Great. to like kind of like one of the interesting points of uh, content creators themselves. Basically, um, looking at content content creators or famous people that are famous nowadays, like a specific uh, let's say characteristics of like a famous person, um, they have to be this this height or they have to be like like actors, for mm -hmm, example. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 90 let's say 99 percent of the actors that we have nowadays like the famous ones um for height for example they're over six foot something always for for guys mm -hmm. definitely or like actresses basically mm -hmm. so yeah. they're fitting this this societal the, yes norm of what beautiful is or what that's um, one thing. That's one thing that I was like that, that I always wanted to talk about, and mm -hmm. I'm glad that you're here. You understand that one thing mm -hmm. that basically is like there's a standard. Oh, there definitely that is. People built a hundred percent, and even if people think that there isn't, like even when you know Sephora and beauty companies have this whole mm -hmm. campaign of like having flaws is perfection like they really just hire someone with a gap tooth, and they're like, oh, look, she's flawed, but she's still beautiful. Like I think it's the most. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, it's so hypocritical because yeah. I'm, I don't get it. I personally, me, myself, I grew up with a gap tooth, um, and I was bullied for it, blah, blah, blah. And the only reason it went away is I guess I got my like wisdom teeth in and it pushed everything together. But I remember being bullied and I, this was before having gap tooth was like edgy and stuff like that. And then, you know, Sephora is just like, oh, we need a new, we need a new, a new edge. We have to show the people that were edgy. You exactly. Know? Let's, let's go find a model that has some sort of weird thing. 
um, and tell them they're perfect. Like it's it's this weird validation process that happens. Exactly. So it's exactly. not that they're telling you that you don't need validation. It's like, oh, here, it's your chance for validation from us, but you need to buy our products to get validation. Exactly. Like, oh, it just, it irks me. It irks me. I hate it too, to be honest with you. It's just, I think it's for, for women more than men, to be honest with you. Although like there is a lot for us, but like you've got, basically it's a business that they're making. Oh, like we're, yeah. we're talking about makeup uh makeup businesses we're talking about like clothes lifestyle. basically mm -hmm. lifestyle exactly like this stuff like the only thing they want to do is just sell you stuff mm -hmm. and representation is everything yeah. right so yeah. even like you said actors um even music videos and stuff they're mm -hmm. selling you a lifestyle right exactly so they're like look this can be you if you listen to my music if you yeah. watch this movie if you hang around these kind of people or if you buy this phone for an it, example exactly. apple is the biggest example yeah of they're, that. Doing, they're so good at even it even though i'm guilty of that but like <laughs> no fully I, at least we're aware i guess but fully the way they make it seem like oh you can achieve everything and you're yep. sleek but you're also um on one of my episodes with someone who's uh, one of my friends that's really into tech, uh, the episode's called Tech Whiz, mm -hmm. and he's explaining how he does his research on technology and all that, and that 99% of the time, there's always something better quality than Apple products, and for much cheaper, but people just don't want to look into it, and because they see that everyone else has one, they're like, oh, I'll just get one myself. Like it's, Exactly. It's clearly been, like audited by everyone around me but everyone has the same mentality so it's like this weird self-feeding process and then yeah. apple's profiting yeah because exactly. of our lack of knowledge exactly because we don't look we don't look for other options basically mm -mm. that's that's one thing my god wow <laughs> yeah again so like we standardized uh yeah i said that word okay that's it okay, there you go there you go <laughs> we standardized <laughs> the, desires the des yeah exactly exactly so basically there's, yeah, there's this this image of a person. Like when it comes to content creator, not every guy, for an example, has to look like Logan Paul or like uh, KSI, you know, like not every guy has to be jacked absolutely to create content. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, not every guy has to like it to, or like not every woman has to look extremely beautiful to create content and just and not every the thing is like that's what i hate one thing one thing that i hate on tiktok is um the thing the thing that we that we made as a standard nowadays is shaking for the camera basically fully and, yeah you're a you're a dancer you understand there's a lot behind dancing a lot more than freaking shaking your yeah, to yeah. the camera you know yeah. what i mean like stop i can you go, know i can go deep into that i'll go i'll, I'll be i'll be concise but let me as go a dancer yeah. yeah the second tiktok happened and i was like mm, cringy because i mean i like that non-dancers are dancing yeah um but don't call yourself a dancer because no. you're doing tiktok dances because truly one unfortunately there's that whole debacle about no one giving credits to where these dances are coming from. And it's usually people of color that whose dances are then copied by, you know, people like white people, like you said, that's standard, like beauty. Everyone's going to love these people once they go viral. And then they don't credit where they got it from, which is always people of color um, creating these dances. Secondly, the idea of twerking and all that stuff, there yeah. is an actual cultural root to it um, that dates back to, you know, the evolution of hip hop and the dances that were coming up in these social settings. Right. But because, again, it's been decontextualized, it's been um, appropriated by people that don't know the culture, and now it's this weird, like, just heavily sexual expression That's for what? For attention, for clout, for followers, for, again, influence. Like, it doesn't, mm -hmm. it's, I don't know. I've had so many people 
come up to me and be like, oh, why don't you dance on TikTok? And I'm like, I literally, that would be the worst thing I could possibly do as a dancer who wants to create authentic art. That's Mm -hmm. one thing. That's one thing when it comes to, again, I heard this a lot and uh, I kind of, have a similar thought not the same thing but uh like when it comes when it comes to respecting women online um i don't think you're taking that respect once you're shaking for the camera but you're kind of like you know asking for those disrespectful comment kind of thing you know you're like you're just adding yourself you're just adding one more person to this culture of sex- sexualizing women and looking at them as just like this sex thing that, that that we only need for sex and that's it like you know or just put them in the kitchen i, I heard that a lot like tiktok tiktok is brutal it <laughs> just is. saying it like is. do not go to the comment sections if yeah. <laughs> if you're if you're if you get offended that easily um you read that in the comments you're like how dare you first of mm-hmm. all <laughs> second of all what the heck yeah. 2022 man yeah right Chill. like these jokes i know i know they used to be funny because they're like, they're funny because they're so whack. Like, yeah. you still fully are saying this in today and age. I do have something to say about, um, so this whole idea of feminism and women, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, right? That's coming up. And the whole idea of sexual empowerment. You know, this is something that is being portrayed as feminism when really it's just the over-sexualization of women, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. So while it's being sold as empowerment, it's like, oh, you can be naked and that's empowering as a female. That's not what it, that's not actually what ends up happening, exactly. right? Because you're also forcing people to now be out of their comfort zone sometimes. Like all females don't have to explain the same um, level of sexuality or sexual expression. So that being said, I know that a lot of females tend to use that empowerment and be comfortable in their sexual self, Mm -hmm. especially while posting online. And the whole term of like, they're kind of asking for it, unfortunately is is not, um, it's something that lets people get away with uh like the whole rape culture idea exactly exactly so while as females we have to be aware that unfortunately there are bad people out there that are gonna you know see us and take us for like negative ways it's never actually our fault if you want to be someone that perpetuates the sexualization of women just because of what they wear what they say the music they listen to the types of videos they post right that being said Yes, unfortunately, a lot of women do uphold misogynistic and anti-feminism values and ideas. And I see it all the time in the way women interact with women. Um, An example was I was with my friend Rosie on exchange back when I was in Australia and we were asking for directions on campus. We literally just went up to a little help kiosk and we're like, hey, how do we get here? And the the female helping us... um, She's, yeah, she was also a woman, and she's like, oh, it's over here. Um, there it is. And we're like, oh, okay, thank you. That makes more sense. And she's like, yeah, you know, us women, ah, ha, ha, we can't read directions. And I was like, we both stared in silence, and we're like, like uh, oh, what? <laughs> uh, what? Like, there's literally no men here. There's no reason for you to say that or validate no. any men. Two, do you actually believe all women are stupid and incapable? Like, it was just a weird thing of like, honey, don't do it to ourselves. Let's not do it to ourselves, you know? That's mm-hmm. that's one thing. Like that that's one thing that I'm that I was always afraid of approaching is uh, the idea of feminism um, on my podcast. Because again, like I can't really bring another guy and just talk about feminism, and I'll be attacked easily. I mean, just saying, even though I believe in it myself. Yeah. Like, and you you could in the sense of having an open discussion. Mm-hmm. I feel like having open discussion men in between men, where I guess you I don't th- feel like females are educating you or mm-hmm. or 
pressuring you into thoughts and you kind of exploring it for the sake of curiosity and for the sake of treating the females in your life better. Exactly. That is an option. Even though, yeah, even though, like, also, I think, I think if we talk about it, us men, because, like, if we look at it, if we look at it this way, we're, like, the more privileged side in this, uh, let's say, in, in this thing. Like, social uh, issue, and, yeah. Yeah, well, if we talk about it, if we, if we kind of put it out there, it would be more effective for us, for, for, for the idea of feminism. Mm-hmm. Although, like, there's, there's people who take it very far and start attacking each other, like, Men attacking women, women attacking men, and I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, no, yeah. <laughs> it's a social issue that everyone's facing. Like, mm-hmm. I've got a sister. I don't want her to 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 face that. Like in society, I don't want her to face, um, like, for an example, unjust payment for like when it comes to, when it comes like when it comes from an employer. I don't want her to face like um, society shitting on women, thinking like women are stupid and don't don't know how to think. Yeah, there's a lot of like subconscious things that even I'm trying to like debunk within myself, mm-hmm. you know, like the idea of uh, validation from men or the idea of validation for being a woman, you know, yeah. like there's a lot of things that we need to deconstruct that are subconscious and not as explicit as women are dumb, right? <laughs> and I think it's also a very important part about real feminism, not extreme feminazis where, you know, they're like, yep. fuck men, no, no. <laughs> um, the important thing is, is empowering both you know because whether you want to believe it or not there tends to be some sort of difference between man and woman whatever that means to you whether that's gender whether that's sex whatever whether that's identity whatever that is but there is a difference you know Mm -hmm. and that's why um women tend to be a lot more uh empathetic and a lot more uh what's that word uh where they care for others, you know, they're they're okay. able to think about others, they're able to multitask, like, this is almost innate nature, whereas men, like you said, they, they like to put in um, physical labor, they like to mm-hmm. be able to be dependent on and have responsibility, like, it's not that women can't have rep- responsibility and can't work hard, they there just tends can. to be patterns, exactly. and why fight our nature, you know, why fight these things that we could use to our advantage. If I'm already an empathetic person, whether that's female or whether that's just me as a person, why am I fighting it? Just to prove to someone that, oh, but I can be strong too. Like, no, what, who are you, who are, for what? There's, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people are fighting, are fighting the wrong fight, you the, know? The, yeah, you can't, the thing is like, you can't fight nature. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to bring that example. Never mind. There was an example in my hand. I didn't want to bring it because I know probably I will get attacked for that. Um, but there was, there's this thing is like, I was actually doing a discussion, uh, I think back in 2017, it was equity versus equality. Mm. And basically it's like, we can't really be equal. If you see what I mean, like we can't really apply equality on, on society in general, not men, women. No, no, I'm talking society in general because we have different uh, abilities as human beings. Mm-hmm, like, Different identities, exactly. different needs, a hundred percent. Exactly. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, like if there's like a high roof thing, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to grab it. Like I wouldn't put that job on me, the shorter guy. Like if there's like someone who's like six foot five who can reach the the, the high thing, you know, like they can grab that thing. You know what I mean? So that's like literally equity versus equality. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing that I wanted to point out. Plus, basically, it's it's like that, like that thing that women are not strong women can't do this can't do that well here you go so there's uh, i'm not sure like if if you read when i sent you basically it's or if you've been following me like for the past few 
say months or something. Um, I got recently, I got my black belt recently in Taekwondo and to tell others, basically, mm -hmm. the most badass that I've seen in Taekwondo are not men, they're women, mm -hmm. because there, here's something that women have that we do not have, and that's something that I, that I learned personally, is the ability of listening, <laughs> and just sitting down and shutting the fuck up. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like we, I go to class, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, I'm seeing guys, like the coaches explaining something, guys are joking, girls, sitting down paying attention to the to the coach even though this is like the one the 100th time that they've seen him like do the same thing over but you're always learning something mm -hmm. so that's one thing that i've learned myself is to listen watch out be quiet that's one thing because like i've learned that thing is like the quiet ones are the most dangerous ones because you never know when they're gonna strike <laughs> so mm -hmm. in general like in fighting and in real life so like bringing it to real life um being quiet or like not speaking up all the time, not having like a loud voice that's say, because that's what, that's the typical standard that we see when it comes to men, like the loudest people, they're always like blah, 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 mm -hmm. fighting, um, trying to show off their muscles basically, mm -hmm. that's what they're created for. So that's one thing um, is that we think that by doing that, men are, automatically stronger and manlier and manlier basically mm -hmm. no that's not that's not the case like that's one thing also like people put on men for example men shouldn't cry no why the fuck is like dude mm -hmm, mm -hmm. women men everyone they've got feelings yeah. <laughs> like if you're gonna if you if like let's say god forbid one of my parents you know has something i will cry mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like I'm a human being. I've got emotions. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let them out. <laughs> yes. I think specifically with that specific example, I think it's been more socially accepted for women to cry. Mm -hmm. So we just got used to it because we're like, okay, we can cry whenever we want. Whereas I assume men had to always hold back because they're like, even though I want to, I shouldn't, you know? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and I like the back and forth of, yeah, the most, the most, not even the most manliest men, but the, but the men that I've, felt are actually self-confident, actually mm -hmm. self-empowered and that have defined for themselves what it is to be a man or to be, you know, um, an individual and independent. They're the ones that are willing to try on a dress for fun. They're the ones that are willing to, to do things that are normatively feminine or girly things to do. Like they, they like, um, they flourish in it. They love mm -hmm. it because they're like, I'm so great about who I am and what my identity is. This piece of clothing is not going to change that. This, exactly. me trying this more subdued activity is never going to change that either. So I think it's a conversation a lot of people have to have with themselves of why am I avoiding doing that? Or why am I avoiding wearing that? Or why am I avoiding that activity? Is it because I don't want to do it or because I think it'll make me look like something I'm not because then you have to check yourself. You're like, am I insecure? Which is okay. It's fine. Everyone's insecure about something, Exactly. but it is something that you need to deal with mm -hmm. because you pressuring yourself into being something you're not is literally the opposite of growth. Like it's, it's literally stunting you, you know, that's amazing actually, to be honest with you. That's, that's a couple of things that we actually had to deal with as well. Like coming in front of cameras, Again, yes, going back to the same thing in front of cameras, you know that there will be, even if it's 10 people watching you, you know that there will be 10 people watching you. Like this is a small room. If 10 people are, are in here, this room is going to be filled of people. Yeah. Is, it won't be COVID, it won't be COVID safely. So like, yeah. 
<laughs> one day we'll have live shows. That'd be cool. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I'm hoping so. Right? So yeah, like so that's like going back to the thing. That's one thing that you uh, think about. Like uh, you become aware of like, uh, um, oh, like my hair wasn't like that good or like, oh shit, I've got a pimple that day <laughs> or just like, uh, I don't look my best on that day. That's one thing that we, we deal with because again, of if we're going back to the uh, to the standard image that we built of content creators, um, it's like, yeah, they always have to look perfect. This idea of um, exposing your non-perfect side on social media. Mm -hmm. And as much as I'm like, okay, yes, like it's all about representation. It matters. You know, you finally seeing someone online that looks like you or that talks like you or that acts like you or has the same disability maybe or the same skin tone or whatever. It's very validating and it makes you feel like you're a part of you know the normal world but at the same time it's still reinforcing the idea of validation and I, that's okay. still where my issue is with a lot of it because you shouldn't need validation I know that it's a normal thing to experience mm -hmm. but eventually I feel like a good way of being self-assured and self-confident is to never need validation you know and to never seek it to never have that as an excuse for why you can and can't do things right so as much as uh, there was a whole idea of like fat shaming and the fat phobia. And then so women would be out here in bikinis, but they'd be like plus size and they'd be like, see, look at my roles. Like I'm normal, just like you. And yes, that was very like supportive for a lot of plus size women that are like, oh, she's wearing a bikini, but she looks like me. Oh, that's cool. I can do that too. But at the same time, um, it shouldn't necessarily take someone else to do something for you to empower yourself, you know, you should never be waiting for someone to, to validate you or to tell you that, no, you are beautiful, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's what I want to get rid of at the end of this, um, is just the idea of validation and the need for validation, you know? Exactly. That's, that's actually a good way of looking at it. And I like that you went back into it because we were talking about, uh, men validating women and that idea of, you know, like they have to, they don't like exactly like, you validate who, basically. Yeah, you validate yourself as much as you want. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's as simple as we can uh, as we can state it, basically. Um, as we're moving like towards the end of the podcast thing, there's a cheesy question that this podcast has, by the way. Oh, okay, I'm excited. <laughs> okay. Let's go. So, and I like to ask it in every episode. Um, so, if you had to compare yourself to the superhero of your childhood, Ooh. how much would would you fit that criteria? The superhero of my childhood. Or would you say that you are, like nowadays, you are the superhero, you, you've become the superhero of your childhood? I think I have, if the only thing I can think about when I think the superhero is like Barbie, okay? Okay. Because I grew up on on just a shit ton of Barbie movies, you know, like as a, as a little girl, like it's, that's all I watch, those VHSs, those shows. Um, and I can think of that in the sense that, you know, they portray Barbie to be this, again, she's she's the main character of her own show. Mm -hmm. um, it's almost like roles reverse. Any guy that exists is, is a love interest for her, you know. But mainly the only empowering thing like, that I truly like is that she's this idea of she can do anything she wants and she's everything. She's an astronaut. She's a horseback rider. She's a, she's a comedian, like anything. And I think now that you're asking me, I'm really thinking about this <laughs> on the spot. Um that did give me, you know, that is something I've in a way embodied growing up. I 
don't set limitations on myself. I'm like, hey, I want to start a podcast. Okay, bet, whatever. Nothing's impossible. I want to start making art. Cool. I want to start reading books and studying random things. Cool. I want to go learn how to make latte art. Cool. Like there's there's no such thing as limitations for me. Um, so I would say my younger self would be pretty impressed considering even though there was very little expectation on my own accord, um, I've been able to exceed anything that I thought I was even possible at this point. Like, especially up, when, if we get back to the podcast, it was never in my radar. Never did I think I'd be out here releasing episodes of me talking to people. Never did I think I would be um, making coffee for people and them telling me about their day and, you know, being like a weird, I don't know, like, it's cool. I'm, I'm glad. I'm proud, I guess, in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barbie. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. I mean, like this question actually brings the the uh, the deeper side of people. I find I find it's kind of cheesy, but like it brings the deeper side of people because they don't think about it um, a lot. You know what I mean? But then when once you start comparing yourself to to that person, you're like, oh, okay. Like I've I've come so far. You know what I mean? So. Thank you for being here, first of all. <laughs> of course. No, Thanks, thank you uh, for accepting the invite to collab. Because um, I think I think it's just empowerment, you know, the this whole idea of the digital age and content creation. It's giving us back our power to do whatever we'd like without, like you said, external validation, you know. Exactly. We don't need no big company to sign us off. We don't need some giant influencer clout to be like, hey, you know, we create and the people that want to be there for us, cool. And if you don't, that's cool too. I'm going to find someone else, you know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So again, thanks uh, thanks for being here. And uh, that's that, that was actually a great episode. Great collab, to be honest with you. I'm looking forward for the next one. I like it. No, 100%. 100%. Me too. The you guys will see a next one, definitely. <laughs> yes, for sure. And uh, yeah, if you guys uh, watched uh, the episode till the end amazing you're a real amazing. one yeah <laughs> real ones <laughs> yeah i always <laughs> i always say though. to you know if you have any comments feedback if you have any disagreements yeah. i always uh would be glad to see those exactly i always encourage my my listeners to you know shoot me a dm be like hey this one if i thought about this or or if they're looking for clarifications because that's I, that's all i'm doing is just let's start a conversation exactly. let's nothing's too deep for us to not have to discuss mm-hmm. you know um and your voice matters too. Like every single one of my audience, every time they've reached out, oh, it's made my day, you know? So I'm telling you, likes, comments, concerns, let us know. Exactly. Um, feel free to check us both out. That was Raw Talk Lab. That's Talk Lab and by Raw Talk. Yep. Thank you very much for watching and have yeah. a good one. Bye, y'all. <laughs>